0: Well, good morning, church. We are officially in the Christmas season now. And so I want to begin this morning. And I'm not going to preach on this text, but I want to read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, hopefully as an encouragement for you to kind of set our minds in the direction of Jesus Christ and in this Christmas season. So, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, here's what we read. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Lord, even now, again, and just in this short passage, as we're reminded of the promise of the coming of Jesus Christ, even thousands of years ago, and the hope that he brings. I pray, Lord, that it would be true even for us now today. So, Lord, as we look to the sun this morning, fill our hearts with your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've entered into the Advent season. And for those who may not be familiar with that term, it's an old Latin term referring to the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And when we as Christians speak of Advent or the Advent season, we're referring to the first coming of Jesus Christ when he was born as a baby, but it doesn't end there for us because we also look forward to the time when he is coming again, and we look forward to that with great, end, with great anticipation, not with fear, but with a longing to see Jesus come. And you know, there has never been a more notable arrival in the history of the world than the arrival of Jesus Christ. And yes, we know we're not we don't know exactly when Christ was born and we have the constant argument whether it was in December or some other time and we don't know, but it's really irrelevant, isn't it? It really is. We have the opportunity in the month of December as a special time where we get a magnified opportunity to focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's a season like no other in the rest of the year where we get to spend an entire month talking about Jesus and even TV shows and radio announcements and Christmas songs on the radio talk about Jesus Christ. And so we have this golden opportunity to kind of capitalize on it. And so even so here for us in Redemption St. Thomas, for the month of December, our sermon series is simply entitled Behold Him. And that's what we want to do today. We want to behold Jesus. In fact, we want to do that this whole month long. Now, having said that, here at Redemption, we're actually very careful uh, not to separate our preaching from the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because apart from Jesus, there's no gospel to be preached. Apart from Jesus, there's no hope to cling to for the future. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ there is no peace to be had with God. And so we dare not preach the word of God apart from Jesus Christ. And this is why we make so much of Jesus Christ here, and this is why Christians all over the world worship Jesus. And so the best way for us to spend our time is to spend time meditating upon and thinking upon the person and the work of Jesus. Now, when I talk about meditating... I'm not talking about just a few momentary thoughts spent thinking about him, but actually the intentional time set aside where we want to understand who he is and what he has done and and how that correlates with our lives. And so we do this. We, when we meditate upon Jesus Christ, we do it through the lens of the word of God so that we have a right and accurate understanding of, of, of who Jesus Christ is and how he as a person and as the God that he is, how he impacts every facet of our lives. Now, we can spend a lot of time meditating and thinking about a lot of different things. And there's a lot of things in our present day and age right now that are really fighting for your mind, right? To, to, have, to consume your mind with this or with that. And, and I don't have to list any. In fact, I don't want to list any because some of these words just want to make us gag already because we don't want to hear them anymore. But they consume our minds, right? They really do. But listen... Nothing will be more profitable or have a greater impact. Nothing will be more beneficial for us than time spent meditating upon Jesus Christ. Again, not the momentary thoughts, but the intentional time spent learning who he is and how he impacts our lives. And so this month, I hope... That our sermon series will serve to encourage you as we look to Jesus and behold him. It's a topical series. We don't do a whole lot of topical preaching around here, yet it is rooted in the word of God. And so we're going to start this sermon series by looking at the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Now, what do we mean by preeminence? The word means to, um, is the quality of being superior to anything or anyone else, to, to be without equal or comparison. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is above all, he is without equality in the sense that none of us can be compared to him, he is without equal. And I hope to show you that over the next month, how the person and the work of Jesus, his preeminence impacts and affects every part of our life. But as we get to that, I want us to remember something very important that Christmas reminds us about. And that is that Jesus, the Jesus that we worship, really did live on earth 2,000 years ago. As much as he was fully God, he was also truly and fully man. He lived on earth as a real physical human being. He walked on the same earth that you and I now walk on. He felt the same heat from the same sun that you and I feel. He looked up at the same moon that you and I look up to today. He felt the same hunger pangs that we do. He felt the same fatigue after a long day's work. And historical records affirm, both Christian and non-Christian, that he really did exist. He was a real human being. But he was preeminent. He was set apart. He had no equal. So the question then is, and, and after the sermon today, I hope you go home with the three things that I'm going to, the three aspects that I'm going to lay out for each you today and have a continued discussion with your spouse and your children about these things. So what is it that sets him apart so that he has no equal? And I've chosen three random things. These are not the most important, just three different ones that will help us understand Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we want to meditate on this morning is that Jesus was preexistent. Now, that's a strange statement to make, but the simplest way to understand this is that what we mean by that is that Jesus existed before creation, Before God created the heavens and the earth, he already was. He existed before time. Now, the prophecies of the Old Testament, they speak of Jesus' coming, but not only do they speak of his coming, they also speak of his preexistence. So, for example, in Micah 5, verse 2, we read, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Listen, here's an interesting statement. Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Now, that may seem a little bit of uh, an ambiguous or a bit of a... um, not a clear statement about his pre-existence, but when you break this down in the Hebrew, it really refers to the, the sense that his existence has been from, from the far distant past. And the last phrase could actually be interpreted as from eternity. So Jesus was pre-existent before creation. And in fact, Jesus, when he did come, After he had begun his earthly ministry, in fact, coming to the end of it, Jesus himself alluded to his pre-existence. When he prayed his high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 5, he says, and now, O Father, listen to this, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. There it is. Here we have the affirmation of Jesus' pre-existence. Glorify me once again with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Now here's the thing. We can pull these things out of Scripture. We can accept them as fact and as truth. But if we just leave it there... Then all we've done is we've just amassed, we've just gained knowledge, right? We've just got commentary. We shouldn't leave it there. What we need to do at this point, we need to stop and we need to ask, okay, how then does this impact my life? And that is my challenge for you as a church. Over the next month, and particularly this week, I'm going to give you three challenges to build upon what I'm going to share with you here today. So I want you to ask these questions yourselves. How does the pre-existence of Jesus impact my life? So I'll start the ball rolling for you so that you have something to build on. Jesus' pre-existence impacts my life because it helps me understand that although he was fully human and tempted like I am and all things yet without sin, he is not like me. Yes, he is like me in the sense that he was fully human. But he's not like me in the sense that He existed before time, before creation. He was not subject to creation like you and I are. He was not limited to time, he already was. So because of that, when we see that he existed and that he is not subject to the rules of creation, so to speak, because he existed outside of that and before that, it helps me understand that he is God. Now let's keep building on this. This is meditation. It helps me understand that when he came to earth, and he became human, that when he did that, he was the visible image of the character of God. That's why... His pre-existence is important. Why we need to meditate upon this and find out how this impacts my life. In fact, in Hebrews 1 verse 3, we read that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. So if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus, and there you will see the character of God physically lived out, the character and the nature of God. See, we have this tendency, we look to the, when we read the Old Testament, we read about God, we, we can come away with this concept of a far distant God who demands respect, demands worship, and is an angry God. But that's not the case, that's not true. When Jesus came to earth, we saw the full expression of the character and the nature of God. And what that then does, the way that impacts my life, knowing that he pre-existed, which makes him God, this then also makes him trustworthy and therefore must be believed, must be believed. You see, Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God in the flesh. He is the nature or the character of God expressed. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at the conduct of Jesus, when we look at the character of Jesus, and we understand that that is the character of God, That's an encouraging God to believe in when we see his character the way we see it in him. And so this is just the beginning when we think of Jesus Christ and how his his preexistence impacts my life. And hopefully you'll continue that conversation at home. Now, I want to give you a second aspect that makes Jesus preeminent. And that is his eternality, that he is eternal. That's my second point. Jesus is eternal. Now, you might think, wait a minute. Isn't that the same thing as saying that he preexisted? Well, what this does when we move from the word preexistence to him being eternal, it broadens the scope of his preeminence. It's important to recognize that he preexisted to help us understand that he was not created. You see there it's important because there is a belief out there many people hold this belief that Jesus was created and only came into existence when he was born by the virgin Mary. But that's not the case. He pre-existed creation. He existed before creation came into being. He already was and what's more now we see in his eternality, that he will always be because he has always been. And in fact, in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read that listen, the wording is important here. In the beginning was the word, right? So, in the beginning, meaning from the time creation came into being, the word already was. Okay, follow this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then he keeps building on this and he says, and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. So the idea is that he was already there. Now we know that it's speaking of Jesus because when we go down to John 1 verse 14, we read there and it says there that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So you see he already existed, he's always been there. and then we go down to John 858 and we read that Jesus said to them, "Most assuredly, "I say to you before Abraham was, I am." And that's an important statement. That, that, those two words there, "I am," really help us understand that he didn't just have a beginning because there was no beginning. He did, there's no end to him because He always is. He is I am. He is eternal. He lives outside of time, so to speak. That's important for us to acknowledge. So yes, we recognize that not only did he pre-exist creation, he always was and he always will because he always is. But then let's ask this question again as we meditate upon the person of Jesus Christ, knowing that he's eternal, not just pre existent but knowing that he's eternal, how does that impact my life today? How does that impact my life with everything that's going on? And I think we need to approach this one through the lens of the gospel. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're not sure what we mean by the gospel, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ came to earth laid down his life to die for your sins, to pay for your sins, which you couldn't pay for yourselves. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the forgiveness of your sins, and you're raised with Jesus to newness of life, and he gives you eternal life, and he reconciles you with God, and you become a child of God. That's the gospel in a nutshell, and it's only available to you through faith. So, Let's look at this through the lens of the gospel. How does Jesus' eternality impact my life? And when we think of this, as I've just stated, through the lens of the gospel, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we can look at verses such as 1 John 5:11, where we read, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. Okay, mark that. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. These are incredible statements here. Again, meditating upon this, when we are born again, and that's what we mean, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he causes us to be born again and that's only by faith in Jesus. When that happens God gives us eternal life. And when we look at this verse here, he gives us the life that is in his son. So follow this. God hasn't just given you some form of eternal life. He's given you the very life of Jesus Christ. The very life, and words fall short because Jesus is life, but the very life that is within Jesus, that makes him eternal, God has given to you. It's in you. If you come to faith in Christ, you have eternal life, the very life that is in Jesus Christ. Think about what that means for you. Will Jesus ever end? Will he ever die? Will he ever not be alive? And the answer is no, because we already saw that death could not keep him. What does that mean for you? You have the very life of Christ in you. There's no beginning to it and there's no end. But God has lifted you up and put you into that life. So you are forever alive. You have the life of Christ in you, the very same life. And that means you cannot die and remain dead. It can't happen because you've been joined with Jesus. The only way that you could die and remain dead, the only way you could lose your salvation, lose your eternal life, is that God would have to take eternal life away from Jesus Christ. And that's not possible because Jesus is eternal life. So therefore, because Jesus is life, you have life. Forever. Forever. Brothers and sisters, this is just a few moments of meditation upon Jesus Christ. Go home and have this conversation. Continue to build on this. What does it mean that Jesus is eternal? And how does it impact my life as a child of God? Another element that makes Jesus preeminent is that he created all things. My third point, Jesus created all things. Again, I'm giving you three this morning. These aren't the only ones there are. There are many more. But when we think of the story of creation... When we go back to Genesis 1-1, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what's interesting about that is if you're anything like me, when you read Genesis 1-1 and you read the creation story, we often read that to the exclusion of Jesus Christ, right? We just think of God the Father. God the Father created the heavens and the earth, and He certainly was part of it, and so was the Holy Spirit. But the New Testament gives us greater insight into the creation story. Again, John 1, verse 3. And all things, speaking of Jesus, who is the Word, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was not made. In other words, Anything that existed, anything that came into creation was made by him. And on the negative side, if he didn't make it, it doesn't exist. That's the idea here. So it all, Jesus made it all. In fact, when, then we go over to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And here we read, of Jesus Christ, that he is the image. Oh, just another powerful verse. He is the image of the invisible God. We already looked at that. He's the firstborn over all creation. And here's where we pause. We go, wait a minute. Here it says that he's the firstborn. What does that mean? And what this is speaking about is not that he was the first one created, but it's speaking of his preeminence. It's speaking as his position as the child of God, as the First son of God as the part of the triune Godhead, right? It's talking about his position. And it's not actually implying that he was created. It's just talking about his position within the Godhead and within the family of God. And then he goes on and says, listen, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Okay. You know, I'm going to ask the same question again, and you're going to already begin to build your answers. That will be even different than mine or just more inclusive if you will, but what we see here is that everything that exists in any dimension, whether it's physical or supernatural, was created by Jesus. And what's more, we read that it was created for him. So now that we see that Jesus created all things, and we see why they were created, now we need to ask this question again as we meditate upon this. How does the fact that Jesus created everything, how does that impact my life today? And I'll begin this, and I am certain you could snowball this and just continue to add to this. Let's begin with a very simple element, and that is this. It gives me purpose. It gives you purpose. Think about that. How important is that? The world is running around looking for purpose. Why do I exist? What what am I supposed to do in this lifetime? Right? The world is running around looking for purpose, looking for a reason for their existence. And isn't it interesting That when people can't find the reason for which they exist, they often despair of life. Then why bother? Why live? There's no purpose in all of this. So why not just end it all? We know more. We know better. The scriptures tell us. Jesus created all things. Through him, everything was created. But what's more, they were created for him. For him. And as we've seen the past eight months or so in the book of First Peter, we know what our purpose is. It just manifests itself differently in all of our lives. The reason for our existence is found in Jesus Christ. All things were created through him and all things were created for him. See, when we realize that all things were created through Jesus and for him, then I can believe and I understand now that my existence has purpose. And we saw in 1 Peter that the purpose for our existence is is to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. The world is in darkness. The world is bound by sin and death, right? But there's hope, there's good news that Jesus can set you free, right? And so we've been set free. We've been called out to proclaim him, right? Our purpose is to glorify Christ. There there is no greater purpose. And a lot of people say, "Yeah, yeah, I know my purpose is to glorify Christ, but what's my reason? Why do I exist? That's it. See, we overrun this because we've bought the lie from the world that somehow, some other element in this world is your reason, your purpose for existence. What difference are you making in the world? And so people find, well, what do I do? You know, humanitarian efforts, so we run across the world. where I'm a philanthropist, whatever. We go across the world looking to feel fulfilled, to, to find our purpose, and it's right here. It's right here. God is saying, here's your purpose right here. And yes, he may call some to the mission field. And the others, he may call to the factory. The others, he may call to work as a janitor. The others, he may call to work in a hotel or to run a business or to be a trucker. God has called us to the arena in which we're in. So that in that arena, we might make Jesus Christ known. Your existence has purpose. And there is no higher calling than to make Jesus Christ known. Now, I have one more element that I had that I'd put down as I was thinking through this myself. And for a moment, I thought maybe not to add this, but as my wife and I were having this discussion as, as how do these things impact my life? How does the person and work of Jesus Christ impact me? I, I had one more, and I almost decided not to put it in, but my, in conversation with my wife, she's like, no, you should leave it in there. And so... Knowing that Jesus has created all things, how does it impact my life? It helps me understand that my life is not an accident. It helps me understand that I was not an oops. It doesn't matter how you came into the world, right? Helps me understand that my life has meaning. And even though no one else seems to acknowledge my existence, there is one who does. And I am intimately known by him. And that's Jesus Christ even when it seems like no one else knows about me, no one else cares about me, there is one who does, and he's given me reason and purpose. And he knows me. He knows everything about me. In fact, Psalm 139, 13 through 16, we read, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw, listen to this, your eyes saw my unformed substance In your book were written every one of them. There is not the most minute little thing about your being, whether physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, that he doesn't know about and that he is not kept record of. He knows it all because he created you. Now, I don't think it has entered into our minds how deeply every aspect of our lives are intertwined with the purposes of Jesus Christ. Every element, every situation, every moment of your life serves the purposes of Jesus. Now, I met a pastor a number of weeks ago. He had flown in from Alberta and... I have foot and mouth disease. And so when I think something, it needs to come out. And that's not always a good thing. But here we were, a group of pastors, and I noticed that, that he had an arm missing. And so I'm just sitting here biting my tongue, tongue going, don't say anything. But I have to. And so I, I looked at him and I said... Um, is that what it cost you to get from Alberta to here? Now, he had a sense of humor, and he laughed about it. And, of course, that started the conversation, right? And now, the good thing was my wife was not there at the moment because she may have kicked me, right? But it started the conversation. I have, I have to ask. I need to know and so we had this conversation, and he actually he said, no, I was actually born without an arm. This was the conversation. He was born with a twin brother, and he said, my other brother got the other arm, right? Um, but he talked about the experiences he's had because of this, and he said for a season he had lived down in the U.S. as he was going to, to the master Seminary. And people out on the street, when they would see him walking with his missing arm, without question not having ever met him or even seen him, would come up to him and say, thank you for our service to our country. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not even American, right? I'm a Canadian, right? And I, I was actually born without an arm. But he said it never stopped. For the, all those years he was there, people would just constantly come up and do this. So he just stopped. People would come up and say, well, th- thank you for our service to our country. And he'd be like, you're welcome, But in our conversation together, when we, you know, got serious about it, he's like, you know what? God has given me more opportunities to minister for him without an arm than if I would have had it. See, sometimes, depending on what we're going through in life, depending on what our situation is, we can often see ourselves as victims, right? Right? Why has God made me this way? Why hasn't God made me look like a Greek god, right? Or why don't I look like so-and-so or like that person? And we struggle with these things. Or why don't I have the mental ability or the the ability to understand things like so-and-so? We struggle with these things. But remember, we're created by God. He knows exactly how he created us. He knows exactly what our abilities are and what they're not. He knows it all. But he created you the way he did because he wants to use you in that way for his glory and his honor. The question simply is, can we accept that? And this applies right across the board. Why am I sick? Why am I not healthy? Why am I not married? Why don't I have a spouse? Why did God take my spouse? How come we're not better off than they are like those folks over there? It applies to every area of life because God wants to use us right where we are. He created us. I just don't think that our minds have entered into the depths of how he uses every aspect of our lives for his glory. Every element, every situation, every moment serves the purposes of Jesus. You and I do not exist for our glory. This is what we learn when we look at the fact that Jesus created everything and we created it for him. The world does not revolve around us. I am not the center of the universe. Jesus is. Jesus is. And we exist as vessels to highlight the beauty of God in all that He is. We exist that. The forgiveness and the grace of God might be revealed in the lives of sinners. That's why He saved you and me. We exist that He might reveal His love and His compassion. We exist to make His strength known in our weakness. God, why do I always struggle with this? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why can't I get out of this, Lord? We exist to make his strength known in our weakness. We exist to reveal his sufficiency in our sickness. And life is hard because you're just always sick. We exist to demonstrate that in that he is enough. We exist so that his incredible mercy might be revealed to mankind who really only deserve the righteous wrath and the judgment of God. But he was merciful. So you see, and the list goes on. We exist for the expression of the goodness of God in all his preeminence. And it's all revealed through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So as we celebrate Christmas, let's take the time to intensely meditate on him and begin to look intentionally and indepthly in depthly, and all that he is, how does that impact my life now? There is a world out there right now that's dying and they're on their way to hell. They're filled with fear and anxiety and depression because of everything that's going on because they don't have the hope that we do. We've been given this glorious opportunity in the month of December in which the doors have been opened for us to make so much more of Jesus Christ. So let's be intentional and ask ourselves, how do these things of Jesus Christ, how does his preeminence and all that he is in his work and his person, how does that impact me today? And as we do so, as we behold him and all his glory and all his splendor and all that he is, my hope and prayer is that as we meditate upon him in December, that it will move us to worship because he is worthy to receive all glory and all honor and all praise because all things are for him, including you. Pray with me. Father, we'd give you thanks for Jesus Christ as we've begun to just meditate upon him this morning and who he is and what that means to our lives, how it impacts us. I pray, Lord, that we would find our purpose, our meaning, our reason for existing in Jesus Christ. He is all things to us and for us. Lord, I pray that we would recognize the high calling that we have in Jesus Christ. There is no greater high calling, and it doesn't matter where he is called to live out these purposes in Jesus Christ. Whether it's holding the stop sign for kids to cross the road, whether it's raising kids at home, whether it's driving a truck or working in a factory or running a business, Lord, it doesn't matter. And so we pray, Lord, this morning, Father, in all things, that we would find Jesus Christ as worthy, that we would see him as the purpose for which we exist, and that we would find our fulfillment in him. Be magnified through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.